Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of the End of Cells podcast. My name's Stephen, the host of the End of Cells podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by the deadly duo partner Francis. How are you? Oh, we're good. Oh, I'm good. It's back to, back to normality. We can flutter a wee bit better just with me and you on it. <laughs> I know Ross. It was Flea was a crowd as you said. Uh, last and, week. I, and Anthony was getting <laughs> on the road last week, wasn't he? So Ah, Joe we had the sticker, but it's back to us again. I mean <laughs> John couldn't make it. He's lost his voice probably from the celebrations from the Scotland game and the free two victory against Israel, which, funny enough, is what we're going to touch upon first because, as everyone knows, the international break is a bit of a it's a bit of a slog for us Celtic fans. There's not really much to talk about. Yes, there's bits and pieces coming out in news and things, but, again, we'll crack on with the Scotland game, talk about that for when we'll move on to the latest news come up to the Motherwell game. So, to, just to talk about, obviously, that victory. I mean, Scott McTominay, Francis getting that goal, uh, in the last minute of the game, basically the last kick of the ball, and the, the ball was still into the box, and he had kind of guided it in from the back post. But what was your take from that game? It was a it was an important victory, nonetheless. Oh, it was it was a massive game because it just really puts the ball in your court, so to speak, for the playoff game. I mean, there's a really really outside chance you can win the group. You obviously need to win your remaining three games and hope Denmark, I think, lose another game, which is obviously highly unlikely. Because I think William took touched on this is they've not even conceded a goal I believe in the group so I was kind of asking for a bit much but if we win uh, against the Faroe Islands we're guaranteed a playoff because we'll be we're four points ahead, uh, ahead sorry so it was a it was a massive massive game to keep keep it within our hands when you're like say well I think she should beat the Faroe Islands and then Moldova sitting uh, bottom of the group so you've got two games where, and you only really need to win one of them so you should be confident with the two fixtures that you can get the, the three points required to guarantee you second place in that playoff position but as for the game it was like the second well to start, touch on the first half we got off to the, the worst possible start ever I think it was five minutes and Zahavi scored an absolute peach a free kick I thought it was a stupid free kick to give away but take nothing away for the boy it was an absolute peach a free kick and then we kind of grew into the game ever so slightly. They they were still slightly dangerous. And then we actually kind of just kind of showed a wee bit of belief. Like uh, Keenan Tierney made a nice wee run and then played it back to Andy Robertson, who just take up, took a bit of responsibility and laid into Shea Adams, who the two of them played a nice wee one too. Then it was gave to John McGinn, and John McGinn does what he seems to do in the Scotland. He always rises to the occasion, just one touch and curled it into, curled it into the corner. If Messi had done that, we'd be, we'll be talking about it for ages. But two minutes later, we can see it again. <laughs> and again, a needless free kick, poor marking, poor defending. There's question marks, was it handball offside? But it was, there wasn't many complaints in the, for the Scotland players. And that was at 2-1, you were like, oh, here we go. And then you get a penalty, which... I think on Saturday I was adamant it was a stonewaller, but the more I see it, I'm I'm, I'm not so sure, but being biased, I'll, I'll take it all day long, Stephen. And then Linda Dykes, that's one of the worst penalties you'll ever see. Like just, I get that he's, most keepers will dive, but I think as sort of a, as times came on, keepers are more reluctant to stay, to stand more often and not now. They're kind of caught in Dante guys hitting it straight down the middle and Dykes is renowned for hitting it straight down the middle so in fairness Marciano's done his homework I think he got away with hitting it down the middle maybe with a couple of minutes to go or five minutes to go or then a penalty shout because keeper's more likely to dive then it's 
but uh, so you go into half time when could have been two two gone that maybe a down on Stevie Clark, whatever he's said and done in that dressing room is you should say that for every game because that the second half that's the best forty five minutes I can ever remember a Scotland game. Appreciate Israel and the best team in the world, but just as a performance, we were just relentless. I thought guys like Kieran Tierney was really pivotal. Just uh, I think it was the early doors in the second half. He just made a really strong tackle, fair and strong. It was just the type of one that gets the team up, gets the crowd going and stuff. And then guys like Robertson, McGregor, who I feel gets a bit overlooked in the Scotland midfield because of guys like Gilmore and McGinn taking nothing away for there to Billy Gilmore. Say it every time the guy's an absolute superstar in the making. I think absolute great player. McGinn's a great player. I think the fact that McGregor's not playing in the Premiership is going against him a wee bit with Scotland in the sense that he doesn't get the recognition. I thought he was he dictated a lot of the play, uh, and then obviously Robertson makes that uh, great run down the great run down the wide, and then crosses in and Dyke scores an absolute picture goal that rightly stood, and then you're you're creating chances after that, and I think only the McGinn chance was a real clear cut one where it was like we did have plenty of the ball. Dykes had another header, but I can't remember if that was it. I think that, in fact, that was it 2 2. It might have been at 2 2 or still 2 1. It had a great header at the back post, it really should stick it away, but it doesn't. And then we had plenty of the ball, we just it felt like we were cramped in the Israel half, and they just couldn't get out, and it was. It just felt like he felt like the goal was coming, but equally you're like we're not really creating anything clear cut. But then Chris uh, Patterson made a nice run down uh, down the right wing, uh, and then like one of the funny moments of that was like about eight to eight minutes, and the linesman actually slips, and we're at Scotland are desperate for goal, and we're actually laughing at a linesman because he slipped. You hear That's the big way going up, and then Christie takes it on and. Cuts in and John McGinn really should score, but I just think it was some things are written in the stars, Stephen. Now, Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, I say, was there at half time, well, there for the game and got presented with a cap, his Scotland cap eventually at half time. And so it's just fitting that maybe, and it was written in the stars that we scored a winning goal in Fergie time from a guy that Ferguson signed, I believe it either, I think he signed it for Man United, the eight-year-old, so it just, it's one of the things that was written in the stars, and McTominay, sort of a, it's the word, he channeled his, his inner Kyogo, and knocked it in <laughs> with his chest. So I was, I was running about daft in the living room, watching it, and I like picked my way up and everything, and nearly dropped her, because I just didn't know what to do, because the girl likes the football and stuff, but, She's more, as I've alluded to another show, she's she's more inclined to support the other team in Glasgow. Oh. And, uh, she, she likes Scotland winning, but she doesn't get into international football how like some of us get into international football. So I had to celebrate with something. The, my three-year-old child was the only person available at the time, Stephen. I just grabbed and ran about the living room with gone mental, just didn't know what to do with her. I was just, oh, I, was feeling, I was like trying to chuck, chuck her boot and I was like, this is a free road win, you can't chuck her boot. So <laughs> I, I nearly dropped her boot. The fact that you just said, you picked her up and didn't know what to do with her. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I just, oh. it was just, it was such a good moment just 
to consider the the magnitude, and then when things kind of settled down, I, I sort of rewatched the last five minutes just to try and embrace the atmosphere, and it sounded oh. really good. I imagine as we've had chat like ourselves, I've had uh, we text message with Anthony, and he said it was absolutely amazing. He was there with the kids, so I'm absolutely buzzing at his two kids for Scotland game. That was the kind of game they got to witness. There was rumours that Anthony was on the pitch at half time doing a wee sing song with the crowd. Uh, no know. doubt, no doubt. I don't, no, like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I like him. The poet reading his poems, eh? <laughs> I mean, by all accounts, Scotland done it the, the Celtic way. Made you sweat. And as you rightly alluded to, Fergie, Fergie time, the comedy, obviously that United connection, it kind of looked like it was written in the stars. But you touched upon something there, and I, the midfield in terms of McGinn, Gilmore, McGregor. And you, you actually made a great point when you say Colin McGregor doesn't get the recognition he deserves because he plays in the SPL and not not the Premier League, like his counterparts do in midfield. But what I would say to that, I think Colin McGregor really, really like compliments Gilmore and McGinn because McGregor, as I've seen myself, they can do the six and eight rules quite comfortably. It gives Gilmore that chance to get forward and make them penetrative passes. And McGinn's just McGinn. Him and his big arse does get everywhere, and he scores that. He scores that goal to bring Scotland back into the game. But do you think that kind of the three in the midfielders will be mainstays for years to come for, for Scotland if everything goes to plan? Possibly, but then I feel I feel McTominay looks. McTominay is a great player. And he plays it sort of for the holding midfield role for uh, Man United, and I think he looked brilliant when he plays it. Uh, for Scotland, but the way Steve McClark, eh, Steve McClark, Steve Clark Steve, likes to play. Steve McClark? <laughs> I know, that's not even the current England manager. I don't know why I've got that one, but uh, the way Steve Clark likes to play with this sort of a five across the back, if you like, where, where Robertson and you know, Patterson or, or O'Donnell play the kind of wing backs. McTominay, we can get away with McTominay at centre half because he can, he can bring it out and stuff and he's got the range of passing, so he, he, he kind of suits the system in there but it's also a wee bit unfair in Grant Hanley because the guy's done nothing wrong in a, in a Scotland jersey of late he's been one of our better players so it's it's a good position to be in for Scotland for, for a change but yeah the midfield like day three they really do compliment themselves and I'm not really wanting to sit and slate Brown because we've seen obviously just recently against, uh, against Celtic that Scott Brown has still got it but he's still a good player Still a really good professional, but I think Callum McGregor suffered with ever so slightly with uh, Scott Brown sort of declining, like just your natural dec- decline when you get to Scott Brown's age, where you've just not got the energy. Your touch maybe isn't as good, your range of passing isn't, isn't as good. You've just not got it to get about the park. And I think Celtic lost a bit of McGregor and having to cover Brown, whereas when he's playing with Scotland, he's got like guys like McGinn who's just seems to have a bundle of energy and get about the park and Gilmore who's just it doesn't matter where you give him the ball, he's just he's always confident, he knows what's happening. You know he's got to take a good touch and you nine times out of ten he'll play a good pass. And I think that it suits me you can see the the confidence in McGregor. He's he's happy to fire passes into these boys and that like a really strong pass that he knows he doesn't need to take a bit of pace off it and stuff. So it's I think I would be I'd be sticking with that midfield three because I just, it seems to have a nice balance to it where although McGregor's, McGregor and Gilmore kind of just sit a wee bit, but it just gives, uh, I saw McGinnon, McGinnon, uh, 
McGregor and Gilmore just kind of sat and then, but McGregor can play the, the eight. Him and, him and Gilmore can swap and play the eight and then McGinn just, he just seems to run about. It's, it's almost like he runs a bit aimless, but it's the guy just knows what he's doing. He's got an engine to get up and down that just, it makes you sick when you think that could have been at Celtic. Eh? Uh, I mean, I'm looking for the team and you, you look at it, Gordon, Hendry, Tierney, McGinn, McGregor, Robertson all have Celtic connections. Robertson will let go of yeah. him as a youngster. McGinn, as but, you said, missed out, missed out on him. Jack Hendry. A lot of these, a lot of these are in hindsight because Jack. Oh Kendry, yeah, yeah. Jack, let's be honest, Jack Hendry was rotten at Celtic. Just, it, huh? just was never meant to be for Laddie. Never meant I'm, to be. I know, I know. I'm struggling with things we're talking about during the international break, but that argument's never <laughs> going to up again. Jack Hendry on the Celtic shirt, but I mean. The, the, as you rightly said, the atmosphere, we spoke to Anthony, he was at the game with his, uh, his family and stuff, and he said it was fantastic, and uh, I mean, the song of the, the song of the year has to be that Yes Sir Egan Boogie, and seeing that come on, <laughs> seeing that come on at full time, and I'm obsessed with Open Goal, and they just recently done the Hydro yeah. and sold it out, and you've seen clips of them singing it, and they've kind of carried this anthem, and it seems to be Scotland's <laughs> national anthem, kind of by the fact, don't they, but see, looking at that... That's the joy Scotland fans deserve, from my point of view, because for many years, like growing up and you're watching Scotland teams, I wouldn't say feel, but just be unlucky here and there and missing that wee bit of quality. But the team at the minute seems that, as you said, there's a nice balance to it. All the players seem to want to be at the camps. And there was always previous splits and previous yeah. camps going back years with the with the, the old firm and stuff like that. And it's the same with England as well, with the kind of the Manchester rivalries. But do you think this is kind of the way forward. I mean, the fans are all brought together. And I know there was that a whisper about Steve Clark. I mean, there's a wee bit of murmuring saying maybe he should go and stuff like that. But I found that was a bit, bit um, hasty. But what's uh, your opinion? I think there does seem to be less pullouts and needless friendlies like your, your guys from your Celtic and Rangers and maybe some of your Premiership players don't seem to want to pull out of games now. They all seem to want to play for Scotland and like a foot. Bigging up uh, guys like Robertson and that, you've got to look at. You've got to expect like your, your sort of guys like maybe your Jack Hendrys, uh, even maybe McGregor's and stuff like that. They're maybe looking going well. This guy playing with Liverpool, won it all at Liverpool, won it, and he's happy to turn out for Scotland. So I want to be part of that. I want to be part of this with this guy and stuff. So guys like him and even maybe McTominay and McGinn, as much as. Celtic are big, Celtic and Rangers are maybe bigger clubs than like your Aston Villas and things like that. But it's it's guys playing at the top end of the Premiership, like willing to come and play for Scotland, want to play for Scotland, might might be helping the, the squad out as well because it's you're getting less pullouts. I just it's it's a nice position when it seems like a wee sort of a a wee purple patch that we're in with, with players. We just again not not to say anybody in the team if we had. Somebody like uh, not of, I mean, a, a level like Gareth Bale would be ideal, but like when Gareth Bale first properly, not properly broke through the Wales squad, but maybe four or five years ago when he was really at his peak, Wales had a pretty decent sort of a midfield and then defence, and they were doing. We just were just shy a decent striker than we've been really a good a good international team, and but you would be more confident once you go to get to a tournament and then perform better in that tournament because like you say the fans the fans deserve it they bring they bring an atmosphere to tournament football like and it's it's generally a friendly atmosphere the 
the majority of them. It's similar to like the Irish fans. I mean, you see most obviously the Republic uh, fans because they've been at major tournaments recent uh, in more recent years. Um, but it's it's the kind of attitude that they've got. This the songs in that they sing. Because I can remember ones from Republic Island that was just even singing like lullabies to kids on on trains and stuff I, like that. It was just so too. just and like the Irish both ends and like Scotland's fans are they're, they're like that. They have got a good attitude when they go to these because like we were talking about in the previous point, like we know how we laugh at ourselves in a way, and I think that helps with our attitude when we go there. We we'll go there to enjoy it and nothing else really. It's just whatever happens happens, and if we if we get a win, it's great. If we don't, well, we're here enjoying it and we've got to spend money and boost your economy a wee bit in the process. So, yeah, just Scotland seem in a good place and now. Got good strikers, but we could really be doing with better strikers. But I'm not going to complain, Stephen. It's, we're in a good place. I don't think there's really anything to complain about. Obviously, nah. we, can't, we can't ignore, a great win for Scotland, but we can't ignore the Celtic connection in the Israel team at the moment. And Beton was playing cent- in a centre half and a, and a back three. He was the middle pivot. And then Adaba was on the bench. And obviously, Israel started real so happy with a free kick. I, I heard that bit in the radio. I think Jack Henry gave the foul away. Yeah. And, and led to that goal. And it was, it was a peach by all accounts. But I do want to touch upon Beton P- P- for a second. <laughs> That centre back thing surrounding him again. Surely, from a Celtic point of view, they should be asking the national team to play him back in the, the centre of the feed positions because that's where Celtic are deploying him now. That's where Postacoglu knows he's going to play him. And watching him play centre half just shows all his shortcomings. He just looks so. It's, I mean, he's not a centre half, is what I'm trying to say. No. You're watching that game and see if Scotland done it right and pressed him properly. They could have had a oh. feed there. Like, oh, 100%. Because I was. I was saying that I was like just a straight ball over the top does beat on every time in centre half and yeah. there was one time we got it and Dykes got in behind as a nice couple of touches and pulled a good save for him and we never actually exploited that at all it doesn't need to be a great pass just something straight over the top and beat on struggling but to touch on your point eh, should we be saying Israel it's and the Israel manager's defence it's, it's not to do with Celtic where he plays beat on I mean you could level that argument at Steve Clarkson will go and play Scott McTominay at centre midfield. It's what what we do with players on international duty is nothing to do with their, their club players. Equally, when you a club uh, player, what we do with a player at club level is nothing to do with internationals. At the end, of the day, you've kind of got to be a bit selfish. Like, is that all? Like, I don't get why you maybe rest guys like you hear like Solskjaer recently was saying he rested Ronaldo just. Because he played a few games and then and but it was like before the international break. Just just play him, send him, uh, send him on the international scene, knackered. Like I just, I understand what you're saying. We'd be on. Like should we be saying this? But you you can't because as I say, Israel. It's up to them what they do. We beat on when he's on international duty. Equally, when we've got we've got him at club level most of the time. It's we don't we're not actually normally playing him a lot. So. Israel could be looking at that and going, go and play the guy. So it's, you can't, unfortunately, you can't dictate what another team does with their player, if you like, Stephen. Oh, I mean, you shot me down there, Francis. Thanks very much. All of a sudden, surely the Israel manager can say that he's not a centre-half. But when, I've not, got to, I've not got to go and say how, they, they were maybe short at the back and knew that Peter 
can fill in there. <laughs> but look, all in all, fantastic win for Scotland. The, the Tartan Army were a full voice. Yes, sir. Agan Boogie, it was fantastic seeing that. Even when the camera was panning through the crowd, young, old kids, they were all singing it, all getting yeah. up and dancing. It was, it was fantastic to see. But I mean, it's just a catchy kind of song, eh? It's a catchy yeah, song. It's, 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 it's a catchy song. It's it's, it's stuck and open yeah. goes. Simon Barry and all them guys sing it, and it's just mad. It's, it's class to listen to. But one thing I do want to say is, obviously, Israel is Neil Lennon's new favourite team. I don't know if you've seen this. <laughs> oh, it's new so favourite country, is it? No, I. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of want to pass on my condolences to him. I'm sure he's got it that Israel lost and <laughs> all, all the kind of affinities that he has towards the, the Israeli teams in the Israeli league. And dude, what is it, Duhad Dudan or something, the agent as well that he mentioned? Uh... But look, we'll have to touch upon this, moving back on the club football matters for Celtic. And Neil Lennon again has been out in, in the press and certain newspapers coming out again. It's like he comes out every other week and saying all these random things. And basically where that Israel chat came from, he kind of followed that up by saying there was players there last season that didn't play when they were fit, claimed to be injured, let the team down, dragged the likes of Cam McGregor and Scott Brown down. There was basically what he was alluding to. They didn't respect what yeah. he had to say as a manager, which, again, we could all see from the outside that there was players that wanted away. And it just begs the question, Francis, is why didn't he then not put them away? Why is he again playing this blame game instead of taking the kind of full responsibility of what was a terrible season. And we keep having to go back to it, but it's the only reason why we go back to it is because Nate Anna keeps bringing this up. I almost feel he's like us with Barkas, where he's just, he's, he's went to a deep and he's had to keep backing, backing up. How we just kept on him with Barkas and it was, I think it went too far that we had to stick with it. And he's just, he's not taking any responsibility whatsoever. Now, there probably is some truth in that, that maybe some guys didn't, I'm not saying feigned injury, but they'll not be, you hear it all the time, like football players, they're never 100% fit, but they'll play. Like there's Throughout a season, it's, you're lucky if you're, you, as a player, you're fit. Like Even just once, you're never at 100%. So maybe what it was, maybe what was happening is guys who normally would have played at 90% fit or 80% fit were like, oh, well, no. I'm, I'm making it worse than what it was. It maybe was a case of things like that. But then, if we obviously we don't know who these. If if that's true, I, I believe there will be an element. It is true. Uh, but you can bet your bet your last dollar that uh, he played these guys again. So if he knew that they were playing, that they were, they weren't playing when when fat. But then weren't they playing them again? It's like well. You're making a road through your own back. They're they're getting away with it. I feel like if if they're willing to just say, oh, I'm not feeling it today, but then next week or the, a couple of weeks after that, you just shut them straight back in. It's like you can't. It, it's you make a road through your own back. It's guys aren't going to show you any respect if they know they can do what they want, so to yeah. speak. So it's I just don't get these comments comments feeling, and it's I believe like some of the stuff. He has come out with us. There will be an element of truth here. He is a proud man, so maybe it's hard for him to accept it. But he had similar situations like us at the end of his sort of first tenure at Celtic. It was things started going going wrong and stuff. It's ah, uh, it's just it's just strange for me. It just keeps keeps piping up. You kind of sort of I wouldn't say forget about him, but you start you start maybe slightly respecting him a wee bit more. Going oh well. It's we can can respect what Lennon's done from then he, he pipes up with something else. It's 
digging up last season, like, we try to forget about this, mate, and I was doing that, and here you are again bringing it up, and not once again are you even saying 5% of this was me. Like, he's never seemed to obtain any of the blame at all or any level. No. And, it's, it's, I mean, as you said, as us as Celtic fans, we're trying to move off. Not, we're in the transition period as it, as it is at the moment under Postacoglu, and Lennon's coming out making these wild comments. And as you said, there probably is an element of truth. Fair enough, blah, blah, blah. But save it for a book. Save it for yeah. 20 years I, when you're retired. Make a bit of money, is that? Yeah, make a bit of money. I have a couple of stories here and there. Go on open gold when you're retired, say the stories <laughs> then. But, I mean... You, you look at you look at it as well, Francis. It's like he wakes up sometimes and goes, "I've got a brilliant idea," and just rings all these publications and splurts oh. and just talks absolute shake. To be honest, and the the fact that he's pointing to Israel where he wants to manage is just points to kind of where his career's at at the moment, oh, and it's on the on the it's on the downward tractor, downward scale. Can he set it? We're not going to attempt it. <laughs> but you you look at it as well. There's people saying that he's going to tarnish his reputation, and there is an element that and you made a great point. If he just moved on and let it go, even if he didn't come out and take the blame, but just keep quiet about everything, then you yeah. might right. All calm down now. Blah blah blah. He's still a Celtic legend, but the fact that he keeps coming out is just oh, it's it's frustrating. Do you yeah. not think it's just time, as you said? I think it's just time from just to let the whole Celtic thing go now. Yeah, it's like just be. I mean, I know it always seems to. On these wee things, he always alludes to how much he's won, and rightly so. You'd be proud of what he achieved, both as a player and a manager at Celtic. The guy, the guy's won umpteen honours, but don't don't sour that with some of the stuff he's coming out. Like even the Bayer Leverkusen game, I know we got scudded for now, and Celtic really shouldn't they really be getting scudded for now at Parkhead, but we are where we are and things like that. And some of the stuff he's coming out with, I'm like. You caused a lot of this, mate. You're, you're the reason a lot of this is happening now. And here you are live on telly, it almost like it wasn't it, like you've nothing to do with this. And still no one to like even just go, ah, well, this happened. It's like just I just move on, just with respect everything you gave for the club, everything you've achieved for it. Just, just shut up, man. Just shut up. So you didn't <laughs> like like you say it's take it, it's Taking bits and bits and bits away. I mean, I'll I can't see another time where I'll go. I hate Neil and He would need to go something far for me not to respect the guy and love what he's done for us as a club and how he stuck up for us umpteen times and things like that. But it's just like I don't remember him talking so bad about us the last time he left his position at Celtic. It's just. It's strange, and I know I don't know if he's still in, but I'm sure he moved to like some sort of PR team in that fairly uh, maybe in the last six to eight months or something. It's just like honestly, I think I said at the time, I think the PR company, the Rangers fans, they're just they know they're like, oh, let's just take the piss with the guy. It's just that some mean, of the some of the comments are are weird. Yeah, and it's 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 weird timing. It seems to be at times mm-hmm. of things quieting down in regards to Celtic, and then bang, Neil Adams comes along. We're not going to spend all evening talking about it, and we'll move on to the current injury list. The Celtic having players that are coming back, kind of in the next one to two weeks. Some players are more available than others, and I'm going to rhyme off a few to you. So we've got the likes of Christopher Julian's due back in training after the international break, which is great news. James Forrest, same again. Maggie Johnson, the guy who has no ankles, he's coming back. <laughs> Josip Ranovic, he's going to be coming back the international when that's over the international break, and Gio. Geomachus, no John will be telling me tomorrow that I pronounced that wrong yet again. <laughs> but it's it's what I'm going with. But 
out of that list, who do you think would commit come straight into the Celtic team as a starter? I think Juranovic comes straight in. Uh, for me, I would bring Forrest in, but I believe he'll stick with Abada because Abada has signing at the end of the day. But personally, I would bring Forrest in. Well, Julian, I don't know if Julian will come in because again, it's Cameron Carter Vickers and Starfield are both him. But I think Mikey Johnson, no chance. He's no cut because he's not getting ahead of Yota for a kickoff. I don't think he's coming in. But it's good to obviously have an option there. Uh, but no, nah, I think the only one I would hang my hat on right now is, is Juranovic out of there, mate. I love the fact that you totally ignored Giamakis. It's like he's come in. He's come oh, in He's come in well, for two but and a half. Still don't, still don't have, <laughs> it's, it's Kyle. Kyle's got to be up front, eh? Oh, yeah, 100%. But your man, Jim Agassiz, have walked into a no win situation. He's, he's come in top goal scorer in the Eredivisie, which is a great league by all counts. Yeah. And he's, he's warming the bench or he's injuring his calf in the warm up. It's maybe but a like, substitution they have then, isn't it? A super sub. Maybe he can be our most expensive super sub. But we'll find <laughs> that out soon. But touching upon, obviously, Christopher Julian, in my opinion, I think he'll come straight in when he's match fit over Starfelt. Now, we've had the discussion loads of times, obviously more so recently when he's played the games, that my opinion is Starfelt. He, he, I mean, to be fair to the guy, he's a wee bit more composed than he was at the start, but I still don't think he's quite comfortable with the way Postacoglu wants to play, that whole mm. the high press system. You better stop yawning because you're going to make me yawn. That, that whole... <laughs> that, whole, that whole high pressing system, the whole, playing the ball out from the back, being comfortable in possession. He doesn't look that type of player. Now we've seen Julian Francis. He's great at diagonal balls. He can he can play a, a whip ball across the back four. He, and he he has a wee bit of a turn of pace. He's not the quickest, but I think he's yeah. probably a wee bit quicker than Starfield. Do you not think that he would come in when he's match fit over him? Personally, I would bring him in, but it's just it's one of the ones where I'm thinking it's cause. He's Starfelt as on paper a Apostacoggle signing, whether it's that was maybe a previous target, maybe we were looking at and it was one we could possibly get in Postacoggle okay that whether it was Kev Postacoggle personally was asking for this player or not. But just because it's simply like the the reported fee was like four and a half million. I know Julian was seven, but he's not he's he wasn't bought by a uh, Postacoglu, so it's one of the ones if, for me it's if you try to get some bargaining power and you're not going to play a four and a half million pound guy he'd be like well why am I going to give you more money if you've got a four and a half million pound guy you don't trust and stuff but I would personally I would bring him in do I think he'll come in I'm I'm, I'm a wee bit unsure than now Stephen just simply simply for the reasons I think it, it may be I may be just been short sighted and I I'm thinking it maybe benefits Postacoglu in the transfer market, try to get more from the board if guys like Starfelt work, if that makes sense. Because for me, the jury's, jury's still out for him. I'm not, he's, he seems to be a good instinct defender type thing if he's not thinking think about it. He wins a lot of his aerial duels in the box. He's not great, maybe balls played up to the attacker. He's, he does get seem to get a bit tight, but it's something maybe can work on. He's, like say, his passing doesn't seem to be great. So if Postacoglu wants to play that that way where it's bringing it out, it's it probably does suit Julian better, but a little bit of me thinks that Starfight might stay in just 
so post hogs say, look, well, this is a signing that's worked for me and that you can trust me in the market and stuff. So it's 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 maybe stuck between a rock and a hard place for, for post Hoglid, but it does seem ruthless in the sense that he'll just play he'll play who he feels better for the team because you look at Welsh who we've all said has done no wrong, but he's not been bombed out the team, but he's not really getting a chance, if you like. So and maybe maybe Starfield will end up that being the guy that gets bombed out as well. And it, it could be good for Starfield if he gets dropped out of the team and uh, Julian comes in and starts performing, then Starfield maybe needs to look and go, right, I really need to up it here if I want to make it work. So it's it's good to get guys back because it gives you, it should should give you good problems. Yeah, obviously, have competition for places is healthy within the team. Yeah. And you, you need that. And you make a great point in terms of Starfield if he drops out. Just for a couple of games here and there, just to obviously regain his confidence again. I'm not saying by all by all means he's a bad player. I, I oh. give him praise in the previous podcast where he's coming on the game, but I still have my, my belief that he's not really comfortable playing that and system. I think my personal belief is Christopher Julian will be, but yeah. you touched upon Josip Ranovic coming straight back in a right back now. Anthony Ralston has been a mainstay there basically all season, all through preseason, but in the last couple of games, I think he's kind of reverting back to type, reverting back to the way. He was not kind of trying to kind of pigeonhole him or anything, but I think he's mm-hmm. shown that standard where a lot of Celtic fans, when he signed that contract, that extension, were shocked and were like, why is he getting that? I think that's back to that phase for me anyway, because the lack of quality, that inverted fullback position that Postacog likes to play again, it's, it's all to do with his style. I don't think it's suited to him coming into the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. And I watched, I've watched a lot of clips of Juranovic, albeit on YouTube. He seems to like doing that position. He scored a wonder goaler on his last game for Legger Warsaw. And I think that's why Postacogli probably pressed the button because he's comfortable in them in between yeah. positions. Do you think that it's a case of Ralston being back up or even being totally bombed out and third choice again if we get another right back in January? Well, obviously, if you get another right back, you would believe that Ralston's got to go down to third choice. But I don't I don't think he'll be bombed out, Stephen, simply because he's He's performed on the main really well for us. But like you say, and I'm a believer as well, it's it is struggling of late. And I think it's it's we're noticing it more because we've not necessarily played great, if you like, when he's coming in doing that inverted uh, wing back role, it's he sees lack of quality on the ball. I'm not saying he's rotten on the ball, but you just see he's not confident. It's not it's not something he's comfy doing. He maybe could eventually get that coach because he's still young enough to get it coached into him. But it it does it has of late looked like he struggled in there, do try to play that role. And like I say, Juranovic is a Croatian international. He's twenty six. He's at a great age, and obviously, it does seem like a Postecoglou signing going by YouTube clips and stuff where he can he can play in there and he just looks so comfortable and so composed on the ball. So for me, that's why Juranovic comes in, but. I still believe Ralston has a place to play in this squad because if we're going to, not that we've played the high press for a while, but if you're going to play that high press in football, guys aren't going to get fat over a couple, like six weeks. It's going to take a wee while for guys to get up, up to speed and build up a, a level of fitness and stamina to play that role. So you'll need, you'll need your guys like Ralston to come in. You can already see it in Juranovic. It's, he's had a couple of injuries already, so... I see the type that's maybe got to be, is it got to be the right back, Michael Johnson? Hopefully not. 
But oh, don't be, don't be saying that. Have you better touch some well, wood right now? No oh, chance. Right, right. That's my touching wood. But I mean, the guy's had a couple injuries already when he's came in. But again, that could just be a different style of training and stuff. It can just be because, it, it, in fairness to him, it's it only seems to be like ten days or something. It's like a game or two he misses. So it's it does seem more like muscle injuries from maybe training and stuff. But yeah, I wouldn't say Ralston will be bombed out because personally, I would. For if whatever business we do in the January transfer window, I would not be concentrating on right back because we've obviously got Juranovic and Ralston, who knows is, is capable enough if need be. And that's a great point. And obviously, the back four is, is the main area of concern. I mean, for January, for me, we need to get another centre back in, we need to get another left back in. And the whole I'm left back I'll, thing right now, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I'll, I'll definitely left back. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask you about next night. That's a position, I mean, Montgomery's played there, Taylor's entered, um, Liam Scales has come in from Shamrock Rovers, hasn't really got a, a look in, but he's been selected for the Irish national team, obviously due to injuries in the Ireland squad, but he's still being called up. Do you think maybe Fir Park's a great opportunity to, to throw Liam Scales in a left-back and see what he can do? Yeah, potentially, Stephen, that is, but again, I suppose it kind of goes back to sort of a similar argument we have with Montgomery, anyway, with Ralston, like, Montgomery hasn't really done much wrong in there, but I, I don't think he's comfortable playing this sort of a inverted fullback role. But again, he's a young young boy; it could it can be coached into him. But I actually think he's better further up the park. Like he's he's really good going forward. He seems fairly confident and stuff when he's further up the park as opposed to defending. So I would like to see Scales coming in, but because what is he? Is he twenty three? So he's a decent enough age still, young and. Like say, he is a centre half, but I think I said in a previous podcast it was actually one of the the Axon bulletins. I think it was where Colin Watkin had done a wee sort of thing on him. It was he was saying that he he'd seen up some of the like sort of a League Island football, and he he, had, he did play sort of a on the left hand side of a back three, so he might be suited to the, the inverted fullback because he'll be comfy enough coming in the park so I would like to see skills just to see see what he's got obviously he came on a few weeks back and but looks a tall strong boy and like composed enough on the ball but it just I, I, I didn't get this argument and now like we possibly like Celtic seem to have a habit of doing this it's not just possible but we seem to sign players and they're never re- quite ready like we signed Yakamakis he's not quite ready yet Scales had been playing in the Europa League qualifiers he's not quite ready yet and you're like is he not quite ready yet for? He's clearly fat. He's been playing football, but it's he's like, just not ready yet. It's like when you buy bananas, you have to wait on them riding. I know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, by the way, didn't have a pre-season, I think, but the guys, like, guys like Skills, it's like, oh, he's not ready yet. Like, how's he not ready yet? The guy's played it's about like, eight or nine games this season already. There's a, a couple of the quid. Oh, and the chairman's sitting back. Is, he's not ready. Oh, sorry, don't worry about it. We'll take him. We'll take him. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> So uh, I would like to see Scales coming in just to just to see what he's what he's got about him. Yeah, I mean, by all counts over here, obviously in Ireland and things like that, the people are but like bumping them up to the highest. There's a lot of hype around Liam Scales and mm-hmm. watching him in the Europa League. Some clips that Shamrock Rovers have actually put on their Twitter feeds and stuff. He, he scored some goals, some cracking headers, and I think he scored a free kick as well at one point. So he, he has a bit of a bit of skill about him as well, a bit of a touch, a bit of a pass. Yeah. And, as you said, he, he's he's physically strong and he's quick. He he seems a a, langle, like a, a lanky guy with 
I don't mean a bit like Tom Rogers that way. It's a straight, yeah. just straight along the, along the park. But I mean, again, as you said, Celtic have this habit of signing players that take about eight months to come into the team because they're not ready. I mean, imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine getting paid two or three grand a week for not being ready. I, I'd go. I'd be there oh, tomorrow. No problem. Exactly. Get me, get me there. I'd be there in a taxi. But it's like, yeah. I think for me, looking looking ahead to this, the game against Motherwell, it is a crucial game, yes. But are you really losing much difference with Montgomery and Scales? Um, probably both similar types of players and, and what they can produce on the left-hand side. I think it's just, for me, I would put Liam Scales in. i put Juranovic back in. And then if you look at Carter Vickers and Starfield, that's your kind of first choice back four, kind of there and ready to see what they can do against Motherwell, if they're all fit, obviously. And looking ahead to the game, I think it's a Saturday game, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, a fair, a fair mark. So. so, yeah, that's different from a Sunday. Probably be better. But what's your overriding feeling going into it? I mean, looking at the team, all the guys in their national duty still have to play one more match. I think... Rodgers and Kyogre are playing against each other t- tomorrow, which will be uh, Tuesday when this podcast goes out. So, fingers crossed that they don't pick up an injury. I know Scotland have to play again. Israel have to play again. So, there's a couple of, of uh, Celtic uh, footballers playing. But if all being well, get into the game, what would be your kind of look for the team? What I mean, we talked about scales there, but would any more surprises you would throw in or even consider throwing in? Well, I would consider throwing in scales just to see... Because, like you say, I don't think you're losing too much between him and him and Montgomery. I would say maybe more defensively, you would be more assured with with skills in there. You maybe lose a wee bit going forward from uh, uh, from having skills in there, simply on basing it on what I've seen of Montgomery going forward. But I thought I think that would be the only surprise. I mean, Juranovic maybe going in just. I don't know if that would be a surprise if he's fit. It's just uh, playing, but I would play him if he's fit. But I don't think there'll be any. The only major surprise I would see is a scales at left back, I guess. Or what about? Now this is obviously. I mean, this is going to be a screwball to some people. Like, but for me anyway. <clears throat> what about a four-four-two? What about Jamaicus and Kyogo up front together playing? Just for example, McGregor and McCarthy in the middle with Jada and Abada on the wing. Would that not be appealing? It, it would be appealing, but I, I feel Postacoglu's got it. It's his way he wants to play. this 4 3 3. I'm not saying it's that way or no way, but it seems that's his most more favourite sort of person. Because you even see it against, against Hearts, he, he put, uh, sorry, Aberdeen, he put Kyogo out left to bring uh, Ayeti on and stuff. So I don't, I don't see him going to a 4 4 2, Stephen. Just especially not to start a game anyway. I don't see him doing that to start again. I think he's got to stick with the four three three and just try and drill this system into the players, get them confident and comfortable playing that way and then maybe say like and but also within a game he might need to change it to a four 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 two. <laughs> four four two or a four five one and things like that, or the four two three one if you like. So I th- I would be surprised if it goes four four two, Stephen. But but that sort of lineup, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against it. Just going the proper old school with the the big man and the wee man up front type idea. Better Fenneger Hasling and Scott McDonald. Scott McDonald. That, that yeah, I, that would, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be against it, Stephen. But I would, yeah, I would be surprised with that. Dude, I mean, obviously we're off the back of the the winner, but Audrey, and I think for me anyway, we can't be affording to drop any more points. I I don't think. 
if we if we do drop more points and the other team across the city take advantage of it, we're for me anyway we're in trouble with the league because we've seen again fine margins dictate the league and last season when we were playing catch up it didn't really suit us and we looked twenty five points behind Francis and yeah this early in the season for me we shouldn't be calling any game a must win obviously all games in the league are important cup competitions as well because you want to get as far in them as possible but do you think this is must win against Motherwell? Yeah, I think I, like. Like see, I've every game is is must win, isn't it, Stephen? But it's well, just... the, the, the reason why I'm saying that. Obviously, this early in the season, we're 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 behind six uh, six yeah. points. No, no, I'm giving you. It's like I like on even normal situations. Celtic, it's every game you've got to win every game at Celtic. It's just the nature of the beast, if you like. But I think given the position we're in, yeah, six points behind. I think you've just got to keep. Keep winning your games now and just put whatever pressure you can on the team across the city if they're playing after you or at the same time or whatever. It's just, if you can even just briefly for an hour or two have it at three points, it's just that we we element and it's just, you're doing as much as you can to put pressure on that, their fixture and, uh, as I say, just as much as, it's as much pressure as you can do whether that be a scrapey one 0 win or whatever, or battering Motherwell four five nothing, just any sort of pressure you can put on their game, so you can it's all you can do until you can actually sort of first hand have an impact on one of their games when you actually, we actually play them in the the next derby match. So yeah, it's I think every game every game the now is obviously must win. As stupid as that sounds, obviously every game must win, but. Yeah, I think obviously when you're playing catch up, and especially if you're playing before your rivals, you've just got to just got to do what you can to actually put pressure on that tie. Yeah. Do, do you remember how bad the Motherwell pitch used to look? I know. <laughs> oh, it's it, it, just popped, it just popped into my head there that they actually do have grass, so it's, yeah. it's all right. I, I think thankfully this global warming's helping. Oh, it used to be horrendous, covered in sand and. I remember watching the game on Sky Sports and I was like, oh my God, no wonder they only give us 25 million. <laughs> <laughs> 25 million like, just for that pitch. Oh, it's the, oh the regenerate it. Oh, yeah. it's it just horrendous back in the day. But I mean, we're going to do score predictions and uh, lineups, obviously, on, on Thursday show, which goes out on the Friday. But I want to kind of throw something at you here now. This is obviously just off the cuff. What player... Has Celtic signed from Motherwell that's stuck in your head, or what's your favourite player that's came from Motherwell to Celtic? I mean, the obvious one would be Scott McDonald, but I would I would have to say Stephen Pearson, and just simply got it was well, Scott McDonald was a Celtic supporter, but Stephen Pearson just it was proper old school like box to box player, and just it maybe he wasn't the most talented football, but he was good 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 enough player. But I think it was just his heart that kind of won it for me. And I think one of the other reasons I'm saying it is just a story. It was there's a nightclub in, in Motherwell or Hamilton. I can't remember. Cause I, I remember what it was called. But there was there's a chip shop inside this. Uh, I think it's called Hamilton Palace, possibly. Possibly. I'm not actually 100% sure. It's irrelevant. Folk that maybe listen to the show know. And, uh, but there's a nightclub through that way where he's from. And there's a chip shop inside it, conveniently, and you've got to go downstairs through the exit door before you, and then you pass the chip shop just as you're going before you go out. And 
I can just remember me and Ross were there with, with other friends. It was a Thursday night. Work the next day just because you were a young young guy and it was cool to go on a Thursday and just turn up for work and get through what, the day. But we were in chinos and stuff, were you? Out rocking it? Pro- probably, aye, because that was the fashion. <laughs> but then I probably had a snake belt on that was down to my knees and everything. So <laughs> I'd probably look terrible, but I thought I was looking cool at the time. But I was, I think I strolled out the chip shop, well, strolled out this nightclub with like a sausage supper. I think I definitely had about three or four bags on me anyway, just holding them, hands, hands and arms absolutely boiling. And I'm strolling out about two o'clock, I think it was in the morning. Stephen Pearson strolling in with him and a couple of his friends, and I'm like, just try to pitch it. It's, this is not great for audio right now, what I'm trying to do, but I'm standing hands boiling, like burning myself with these chip, like this chipping. I just thought, like, drunk, 21, 22 year old or something, maybe at the time when that hinking cool as in, I just go, Piro. And I'm like, oh. I'd like, I just see no hinking about it. I'm like, what was that in? What was that in? What did he say to you? In other, you'd be surprised, Stephen. He said nothing. You know, <laughs> he said nothing to me, and I'm not surprised. I would, if I was him, I'd be like, "Who's this Walfer? What, what a weapon this guy is!" Oh no, you're a shambles. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. In my head, I Ross picture that he's wearing an elf elf costume. Uh he probably wishes he was, because that would be like, I would still be more embarrassing if he was wearing if he was wearing an elf costume. I'd have still been the most embarrassing guy that night <laughs> after what I done to Stephen Pearson. Like, I didn't even get quiet. I actually shouted and I'm like, what? Like, see, for like a couple of days, I'm like, I thought it was sick cool as anything. Then, see, after that, you're like, what was that then? Tell you what, the chap, the chap, it was brilliant. Chap, it was absolutely awesome. You're horrendous. Oh, no. But, I mean, people are probably wondering why I'm laughing so much, but I've people seeing seen Ross really. <laughs> this is the guy who still gets his height requirements wrong for going on roller coasters. <laughs> no. Oh, God, that story was top notch. Well done. <laughs> but I mean, for me, like, as you said, the obvious one's Skippy. And obviously, he came in in the in kind of the bad foot yeah. helicopter. Helicopter Sunday, blah blah blah, or Joey them two goals. I remember that day. We, oh, me and my grandmother watching. Me and my grandmother watching the game. My grandmother walks up and punches a hole in his door. It's like, oh my god! Yeah, that, came that... Co- that came cost me a hundred quid. Like, I, it was a boyfriend I was working that we used to bet a hundred quid on the league, and that game cost me a hundred quid. And being oh. being the better guy that I'm on, and how I took it so well, I actually went into the, my bank and got. A hundred pound in one pences, and handed them <laughs> it in one pences. I was raging. Oh my god! So I used to work in the Celtic shop and in, in, in town, right? We uh. we done the secret Santa. No, you obviously don't know what people are getting. You. So uh. my influence was my influence was them. I went to the calendar shop and bought a Rangers <laughs> calendar. What's wrong in I brought it into work and I had to go to my manager and talk about the most overreaction I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he ripped it up in front of me. <laughs> oh, oh, but here, but here the, the Scott McDonald, I mean, he came in and he obviously took away to win over some Celtic fans for the, yeah. his antics the previous season, but the guy was a goal scorer. And at, yeah. at the end of the day, a striker has to score them goals. And him and Hesslink, whether it be Samras come in as well at one point when, when Skippy was still there and 
they all had a fantastic partnership together and it worked and he scored final goals in European football. I mean, the one that stands out the most is the AC Milan goal. Did when, How good was he after yeah. that? Ah, uh, I mean, if you've seen someone going for a dive and a big swimming pool, that was a gold medal, wasn't it? All oh. day. By the way, was was that you? Because see from behind when he's running, it looks like <laughs> that. Far enough, I'm at the other end of the park. For that. I was at that. We I had my season ticket at that point as well, so I was at the other end of the ground for then. So we we didn't really have a clue because obviously we were celebrating. And me lost my sister and that, so we didn't have a clue what had really happened there. But see, when you see the videos, and you actually see Dida chase him for about three yards and go, Oh, it, it got stretched off too. I don't know, he did. He actually got stretched off that game. He, like, oh he, my actually, God. he actually ran after the guy for about two seconds and went, Then he had a But I mean, fair play to Dida, I followed it for him, got stretched off and everything. That, I mean, that's commitment to it. I, I don't know what he was thinking because no one actually seen it happening. <laughs> <Not really. laughs> Like he could have just carried on with normal. Uh, the fan didn't even connect with him either, but obviously we're not condoning fans nah, calling nah. the pitch before people, any, people say anything about that. But I mean, again, Skippy, he's used, one thing about Pearson, he had a good engine. He always yeah. was good. He was, he was good for a goal. And as you said, he was He was strolling in a nightclub at 2 o'clock and I was strolling out with a shippy. About three shippies. <laughs> <laughs> and Ross, Ross is serving his health costume. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna kill me when this goes uh, out. He's gonna rip me a new one. Like, <laughs> no, but like, I mean, Pearson did he left us to go to Derby, didn't he? And he, uh, I think he still, he still did a good job down there. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Scott that McDonald's kind of brings it. Uh, Scott McDonald's was fantastic. He, his goal scoring for Celtic speaks for itself. Yeah. To I mean, a bit like Gary Hooper, wasn't he? A bit, a bit yeah. like kind of uh, the goal goals. Scoring. Yeah, big goals and, as well. Maybe, maybe as we alluded to, Jim Agus can elude some of them. Yeah, I think Skippy or Gary Huber and them have got a strike Fingers on their hands crossed. Fingers to help Kyogo. But Francis, that brings us to the end of the show and the end of the Deadly Duel Part Four Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Just been being with you. Ah, eh? uh, I know, man. Are you, are you down the hotel? Are you working? No, no. I'm actually well. I'm actually heading down to London in the morning. First thing in the morning, mate. I'm in the in the house today. In the house. You've got the down, life of it. You got the life of it. You, you I'll swap anybody. Driving to London is horrendous, mate. No, it's stuck, not. Stuart stuck, in a, stuck in a hotel room yourself. It's horrendous. You can go in all them chippies and start short circuit pure. That's fantastic. But <laughs> to you guys listening, I hope you enjoyed this one. We certainly have. And stay well. Keep safe. Heel, heel.